0: Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Hey, Church, thanks again for being here with us today. I want to thank Michael and the praise team for leading us into God's presence today. And then here beside me are the best youth ministers in the country, in my opinion. Very humble opinion, except for Buster, who we can't say that about anymore, who's now an executive minister. and uh, But today's a special day. As you know, we're honoring our seniors this morning, our graduating seniors. And so uh, Buster, Donnie, and Hannah have each had a big hand in preparing them for this, what is a really important moment in their lives as they transition. Into adulthood as believers and followers of Jesus, and so today is going to look a little different. I've invited them up here. I want to have a conversation with them about what it means to be a young person, becoming an adult in Christ Jesus, and um, what what we uh, the, the kind of the foundational truths that we pour into these young people as a church body. And so I'm thankful to have them here with us. So, Donnie and Hannah, talk to me a second about say something about these seniors specifically. And then why don't you say something about the context, the challenges that young people today are facing. And I know that there are, there are challenges that young people have always faced, but this is also a unique moment in many ways. And so talk to us a little bit about these seniors and the challenges of being a young adult following Jesus today.
1: Yeah, so before we you know answer that question really specifically, we wanted to talk about um, and kind of brag on our seniors. I mean, this year has been challenging beyond I think what any of us could have ever imagined. Um, and our seniors, you know, in this difficult year when um, they could have really easily given up or been really down on what every everything that had happened, um, they really handled everything with great resilience and faith um, and leadership. And this group really has um, they're they're just very talented and they're fun to be around and they invite people in Um, and we're just really grateful for them and all that they've done for us this year
2: and you know being a teenager these days is really challenging even without covid but back in my day it was tougher. i had to walk school uphill both ways Um, but i do remember packing up my car and leaving the day i left for college And I remember it because I cried most of the way to college, uh, which is not a surprise to most of you, but I cried because I was so scared of what was coming, because I didn't have a clue what was coming. There was so much uncertainty, uh, I didn't know what to expect or or even how to navigate it. And so much was changing, I didn't feel I had any solid ground to stand on. And I was facing all that uncertainty um, with no clue what to do. Now imagine not just feeling that way when you go to college. Imagine waking up feeling that way every day. Because I really do believe that's what our students feel like. They face uncertainty all the time. Uh, they, They are bombarded by information, by temptations, and accusations both internal and external. They're not sure what to believe, what to hold on to, or what they should fill their life up with.
0: So, you know, it's a difficult moment to be a young person becoming an adult in Christ Jesus. And so I'm thankful for you three who, in addition to these seniors and our other young people, their parents and an army of volunteers have been the primary people pouring into our young people's lives. And so as we think about, as a church, the foundational truths, the most important things that these young people know as they launch for Jesus Christ's sake, okay, What are those truths? And so I think we're going to start with Buster. Buster, why don't you you start for us. What what are you telling, if you could take us inside
3: HYG, what are you telling these kids? All right. Uh, well there is a lot of uncertainty in the world, uh, but there are some things that are certain. And that's what we're teaching. We're teaching things about God and we're teaching about God Himself. And those things are eternal truths. And he is certain, his word is certain, and so that's what we're trying to teach. Because we think that's the only thing that's going to give students and the rest of us the footing that we really need in order to walk confidently with Jesus. And so our job is just keep pointing them to Jesus. Two messages that, um, that I've tried to communicate uh, as a youth minister to, to the students is, the first one is, it's a quote from Lodge Terman, and the quote goes like this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So here's the big question. What's your main thing? What's your one thing? And so I think the main thing for believers is Jesus, no matter how old you are. Uh, And I want our students to know that Jesus is their main thing and students to make Jesus their main thing. Not school, not sports or, or academics or arts, not even getting a job or going to college. Not even your family is the main thing. They're all great things. They don't deserve to be the main thing. Jesus has got to be the main thing. I think when Jesus is at the center, you know, when Jesus is the main thing, uh, that all the other stuff tends to take care of itself. Now you think about Matthew 6.33. What does it say? It says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added as well. Well, all these other things is everything that's not Jesus. And so let's make sure we get the main thing right. Let's make sure that we know Him and worship Him and serve Him and glorify Him in our lives. So keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus. And then the second message... I think Colin read this verse, uh, it's Romans 8:38 and 39, about God's love for us. Paul says, "...for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, none of those things, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord." And I've read those verses to probably every single person I've baptized. It's mostly teenagers. And you know why I read on those verses? It's because we forget. We forget. And we need to be reminded of that. So I tell students, you know, there's going to be a time in your life, even though right now, you know, of course you feel close to God. Of course you love Jesus. You're getting baptized. You come up out of the water and you're like, yes. But there's going to come a time when you're going to sin and you're not going to feel that way sometimes. Where things are going to happen in your life where you're going to do things. And you're going to sin. And you may even walk away from God. And you may wonder, does God still love me? I want you to know the answer is yes. And you may think, man, I've done so much or so many things have happened to me. Does God even want me back? Does he even want a relationship with me? The answer is yes. He absolutely does. So I want to make sure that they get that and that they know that. Because we all know too many people who have forgotten. They've forgotten how much God loves them. Uh, We have students, you know, that go to church, going to church their whole life, and they give up or quit or stop believing and forget even before they graduate sometimes, it's tough. And so I want everybody to know that nothing can separate you uh, from the love of God. Because we we can sometimes fall in that trap where we believe that lie, that God doesn't love us. And Romans 8 keeps pointing us back to the cross. And he's saying that God demonstrated his love for us right there, and there's nothing that uh, can change that. So we can't do anything to make God love us, but we also can't do anything to keep him from loving us. And so God's love for our graduating seniors and for all of us, it's not based on performance and it's not based on perfection. He loves us because that's who he is and nothing can separate us from his love. Amen.
1: So what I have sort of personally identified as uh, one of the most important truths to know as a teenager, and really for all of us, um, is that your identity is in Christ, or you are who God says you are. And what I mean by identity is kind of this core sense of self, like who, like where we find our worth. Um, for students and teenagers, a lot of that means... Um, Kind of they find their identity in, you know, number one, I am what I have. So maybe that's your grades, your ACT score, um, what kind of clothes I have. Does my family have money? Um, Am I in a relationship? Do I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Um, Am I artistically gifted? How many followers do I have on social media? Things like that. Um, The world will also tell us that I am what other people say about me. So am I weird? Am I popular? Um, Am I athletic? Am I not athletic? Um, You know, everyone talks about me and my broken family that I. I come from? Or, you know, all these followers that I have on social media, what are they saying about me? What are they saying in my comments? Do I even have any comments? Um, and then the world will also say I am what I've been through. So, you know, whatever sin I struggle with, uh, the relationship I have with my parents or my siblings, uh, mistakes that I've made, or even I've noticed a um, if there's a lack of struggle in your life. Sometimes it's hard for teenagers to see where has God been in my life because I don't have this crazy story about how I came to know him. Um, what as like what teenagers do and what all of us do as humans is we go through all these I am statements. You know, I am what I have. I am what I've been through. I am what other people say about me. And we base our value and our worthiness on these worldly standards. Um, when we let these standards define our value, then we are ultimately going to be striving, achieving, and ultimately constantly failing because we're trying to hit a moving target. Um, and when we're and what we're doing in this is we're allowing creation um, to be this value scale that it was never intended to be. Um, we're seeking worthiness um, horizontally when we were created to get it vertically. Um, and that's why Christ came to earth, right? So that all of us might be reconciled to God, so that we can find our worthiness and our value and who he is and absolutely and nothing in what we do Um, when we find our value in something other than Christ we are forsaking and diluting the power of the gospel right I love the analogy that scripture is this mirror that we can look into and see ourselves for who we truly are I've heard it compared to with the world kind of being like a carnival mirror, like a fair attraction that you go into and you look really tall, you look really short, um, and that's what the worldly standards are. There's this carnival mirror that we're seeing ourselves, but when we look into the Word, um, we see Christ for who He who He is. And until we see Christ for who He is, um, and the power within that gospel, will we finally begin to see ourselves for who we truly are? Um, because in His Word, He speaks into our life that, you know, he says that you are enough. He's like, it doesn't matter if you have nice clothes or how much money your family has or what kind of grades or ACT score you have. The only thing that matters is your relationship with me because I chose you. And he, he says that you are what I say of you. He says he changes our identity by taking off the names that the world tells us and instead calls us his very own. Right. He calls us loved and chosen, reconciled, holy, blameless. Right. And then lastly, he says, you are a part of my story. He says you are a part of a greater plan. No matter if you've messed up countless times, if you've done everything by the book, if you don't have this crazy story that brought you were brought to me, if you've known Jesus your whole life. He's like, you're a part of my story, and I have a greater plan than you could ever imagine. Um, And these are the truths that God speaks in our lives that lead to freedom and life. And so I think that these are the the essentials um, for students and really all of us to know um, as followers of Christ.
2: And I want our students to know and believe these two things, that God is good and that you're not alone. I've been a minister for a long time now. And you know how often I doubt God? I have moments almost every day where I doubt God. And I think our students do too. They have moments where they're frustrated, they cry out, why? They cry out, where are you, God? Uh, And even days where they, they want little to do with God because of those doubts. And it's why I think it's so important to teach teens that God is good. If our teens see God as a traffic cop that they only encounter when they're in trouble, or as a a principle that uh, they only talk to when things are really bad, it makes it really difficult for them to seek out a relationship with Him. For them to go to God for help, for direction, or for whatever else they might need. But to see, for them to see that God is for them, that God wants the best for their life, that they can be trusted completely, that God can be trusted completely because He is good, it changes everything. It changes what I want, it changes what they want, and it changes who they want to be and who they want to be around. Because even when they don't understand something or they don't like something that God's calling them to do, uh, when they see that God is good, it means that they can still follow Jesus. And the other thing that I always talk about is that, that you are not alone. When my mom died in high school, I felt lost and alone in a lot of ways, and in a way that nothing else could, God brought family into my life. Psalm 68, 6 says that God sets the lonely in families. It's how I ended up at Highland uh, over 30 years ago, and it's why my longest and dearest friendships are, a lot of them are right here in this, this very room. God would not let me be alone. It's why it's one of the most repeated promises in the whole Bible. I am with you. Our students face things that many of us have never dealt with, and they have a little little sense of how to move forward, and we as a church get to surround them and encourage them and point them to a Father that is with them, no matter what they face, that is not far away from them, but is very close. So close that they can reach out, that you can reach out, that we can reach out, and find him, as it says, as Paul says in Acts 17. And you've heard the phrase, you are who you hang around. Well, God is always around. God is with you, he's with me, and he's with our students. Anchoring them, guiding them, helping them, going with them wherever they go.
0: They are not alone, and you aren't either. Hmm. Aren't you glad these are the young people pouring at our young people? <laughs> uh, Buster's not yet. That's why he's not doing it. <laughs> uh, (laughs) So, uh, pouring into the lives of young people becoming Christian adults is one of the most important things we do as the body of Christ. Um, the, The generational legacy of the body of Christ in the world is based largely on, through the power of the Spirit, the church pouring into the lives of young people who do the same for every generation that follows after and This is one of the most important things we do. So Buster, as you think about your vision and hope, the vision that you, Donnie, and Hannah have had for these seniors who are about to launch, and what is is that central vision that you long for for these young people?
3: You're gonna make fun of me and then get all serious. I love that. (laughs) No, our goal is for them to not hold up a sign that says how much longer. (laughs) That's good. All right, so this part's directed to our seniors. Uh, (laughs) Man, I just want you to know we love you guys. Uh, You have done so much in our youth ministry and for our church. You've been involved in so many different things. You've gone on the time trips. You've done work camp. You've done power hour, feeding the homeless. It's just been amazing, the leadership that you have shown. And uh, we are so thankful for that. It really means a lot to our church that as a senior and throughout your time in the youth ministry uh, that you were involved and they were active and that you were spreading the gospel and so that means a lot and it's been good for us to watch you grow into young adults and um, be faithful so we've seen you do a lot of cool things in sports and the arts in your academics and some of y'all have even started businesses and so it's been a really cool thing um, But this last year has really been amazing. And it all started with the Highland Beach. Remember last year, Donnie and Hannah came up with this idea. It's like, let's get 50 tons of sand. Maybe Matt Merrick will help us. And Matt did. Thank you, Matt. You're awesome. Uh, He's a parent of a senior. So they got all this sand out here, created a beach, and created the most incredible kickoff Sunday ever. And our seniors were all in. And they did all this work and made it happen. And they have been all in ever since. And so that's a big deal. because them being at these gatherings, or you guys being at the gatherings all last summer, and then going on the fall retreat and being leaders, and doing the virtual winter fest, doing the senior retreat, uh, even lately uh, being leaders in these small groups we're having in here on Wednesday nights, um, leading the, some of the younger students, that's been a real important thing. And your example of faithfulness. And service is something that's going to be remembered for a long time. Um, our vision for you is to been, has been to join with your parents to give you roots and wings. Uh, we want to give you roots to anchor your faith uh, because you're going to need deep faith the rest of your life. Uh, that's why we've emphasized reading the Bible in prayer and worship and serving because God uses those things to increase your faith. Uh, life is hard. And your faith will be challenged. And when that happens, if you've invested in your relationship with Jesus and you've grown deep roots in him, you'll be ready and you will stand. And secondly, uh, we we want you to have wings so you can soar like eagles as you live out your faith every single day. Man, everybody knows we live in a really broken world. A world that needs Jesus. We need people to be a light. And so uh, for the last several years in HYG, you've had opportunities uh, to be an apprentice and an ambassador, to use Eric's uh, illustration from last week. Uh, We believe that God calls us all to be faithful, to soar. We want you seniors to be faithful. We want you to be faithful as young adults. We even want you to be faithful when you're old and run down like Dave Kelly. Hello, Dave. (laughs) We know you and Beth are watching. So really, this is our vision. we really want students to have roots and wings because that's something that we all need. It's a vision not just for the teenagers, but for all of us.
0: So all of us, whether we have a teenager in our home, have teenagers in our lives. You know, if, if you're a part of this body of Christ, you have teenagers in your life. And so I hope that you've heard today you know, these foundational truths, the vision that we have for our young people as they grow into Christian adulthood. And I hope that maybe one of you or two of you Maybe more that your heart was pricked by this and that you'll begin to invest more of yourself in these teens because they are in a diff- they're, they're, they're living in a difficult moment. And yet we need in this difficult moment, strong, faithful followers of Jesus. So I hope that maybe God's moving in your heart to pour into these teens. Maybe you'll send some of these graduating seniors a note, congratulating them, blessing them. Maybe you'll get them a little gift. Maybe you'll call them up. I just hope you'll pour into the lives of these young people The name of Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible and you want to open it up to Mark six, we're gonna we're gonna end in God's word together as we prepare to move into the Lord's supper. We're gonna be in Mark six, and um, as I've thought about what I'd like to say to our graduating seniors, and I've been reflecting on Mark six because that's where we are in our series in the Good News of Mark. I've been struck by this scene of a famous meal which Jesus feeds 5,000. And I think this meal we're going to read about also gets us ready to take the most important meal of the week together. So let's, let's read together, starting in verse 34 of Mark 6. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. And late in the day, his disciples came to him and they said, this is an isolated place and it's already late in the day send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. He replied, you give them something to eat. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months pay and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, well, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. He directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, he blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and everyone ate until they were full. And they filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Did you know that aside from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this story is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Apparently, there's something about this story that is so significant that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Each thought that you could not understand who Jesus was and therefore who you are without this story. All of them thought you needed to know this story. And because of that, this story is rich with imagery and illusion. There's probably no end to the sermons you could preach on this story. For instance, there's Jesus in the long line of prophets like Elijah who speak for God, and we know he speaks for God because he multiplies something for the sake of people. You can talk about Jesus in the line of people like Moses who guide and feed God's people in the wilderness of their lives. Or there is that curious line, and maybe you heard it when I was reading through it, when Jesus looks at the disciples, they, they're seeing 5,000 people who don't have anything to eat and Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, well, you give them something to eat. And they can't do that. Not without him. And I've thought about that line so many times. I think about the world we're living in. I think Jesus is capable of taking care of it. But for some reason, he still wants to use us. Still chooses to use us. Man, there's no end to the sermons you could preach on this story. Yet the one I want us to think about as we head into the Lord's Supper and as we bless and send our seniors is this really simple line. Did you catch it? It's there in verse 42. Everyone ate until they were full. Everyone ate until they were full. You heard from Donnie and Hannah and Buster a minute ago about the the challenge of being a young person growing up in this world. I think one of those challenges is the pressure that they will feel, the pressure that you and I feel every day. And what this world tells Christians, especially young Christians, is that if you want to be full, if you want your deepest desires to be satisfied, then you're either going to have to pack your own lunch or you're going to have to go somewhere else and buy dinner. But there will come a moment when Jesus will no longer fill you. And I know that's impossible for us to believe when we are, you know, on the last night of Camp Highland. It's impossible for us to believe there'll be a moment when Jesus won't fill us or on the, the last night of work camp, when we've been doing kingdom work in the city all week, it's impossible for us in that moment to believe that Jesus won't fill us. But I'll tell you, it's a story as old as time. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, two of the earliest believers, surrounded by a body of Christ, everybody giving everything they have to the church because what they're giving back, getting back in return is so much greater. But Ananias and Sapphira think, maybe we better hold on to just a little bit in case we get hungry later. I think about this young man, in 1 Corinthians 5, he's caught up in all kinds of sexual sin. He's still there at the church, but he's looking to be filled elsewhere. I think about the rich young man that comes to Jesus. Jesus tells him if he wants to follow him, he's going to have to leave everything else. And in the contest between stuff and Jesus, he chooses stuff. Like this, this story is as old as time, but what we believe at this church is that despite all the pressure you're going to receive in your life to go elsewhere, to be filled, that none of those things will satisfy for he satisfies the hungry. He satisfies the hungry and he fills the thirsty with good things. I don't know if you noticed in the passage, the language of Jesus looked at these people and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Did you see that? Did you notice that Mark says he had the people to sit down on the green grass? He's the only one that adds that detail, the green grass sheep without a shepherd green grass. Does that make you think of anything? I think he's trying to tell us something about what only Jesus can do for us and who only Jesus is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Young people, as you head into this next season of life, church bodies, you head out these doors this afternoon. Do not, Forget that there is only one who fills you and that if you come to him,
1: he will fill you.